expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. It is interesting times indeed. So other than saying to you that right now the world is looking a little bit upside down for most of the consumers, what we're trying to do is look at data on a day-to-day basis and try and understand what's really happening out there. Um, People have obviously been in lockdown. They've been constrained from uh, spending behaviors, so they couldn't spend on what they normally spend on. Yet the data is telling us from a a card acquiring perspective, people are still spending. They're just spending differently. Anthony, uh, to you this afternoon, Asana talks about the fact that we all stayed away from the shops and part of it was enforced. One gets a sense that people are being trickled back in again, albeit quite slowly uh, once you get through all of the hand wringing and face covers and everything else. Absolutely, Bruce. And I think what's uh, fascinating is also um, how it's affecting different regions of the country, different types of shopping malls very differently. Um, If you look at your major super regional malls across the country, particularly those that might have had an exposure to tourism, the VNA in Cape Town, Sandton City, etc., footfall's still well done. Um, Obviously a lot better than during the full lockdown, um, but well done at normal levels and... You'd actually be forgiven if you went to some of the more convenience uh, rural shopping malls. Um, you'd, you'd almost think there was no coronavirus that had never hit. You know, in some cases, um, some of those malls footballs are actually up on pre-coronavirus uh, levels. Uh, Kunena, how's this translating then to the bottom line? We look at the retail results across the board, and there's a, a huge amount of pressure, not only here, uh, but in economies across the globe. And you've had that experience as well. Oh, yeah. No, thanks, Bruce. Um it's been it's been quite tough you know we lost obviously a whole month of sales uh, in april and not only in south africa for tfg but also australia and the uk who obviously were also in lockdown so bottom line under pressure uh, margins under pressure but uh, you know south africa is a very resilient um economy and we've seen some uptick um, in the past few months, but certainly um, April was a significant, um, has had a significant impact on our performance. So yeah, first half definitely and under pressure of You wouldn't be a believer in today's jobs numbers, not for a moment, at 23.2% unemployment in the second quarter. Um, it's clearly a definitely no. issue. I mean, it's not affecting the reality. No, 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 far from reality for sure. Far from reality. Yeah, and I think the impact of COVID is still to be felt, a full impact of COVID and the impact on employment. I mean, it's a matter of time, yeah. Uh, Vaughan, Marketing Director at SAB. I mean, there was a moment where I was wondering whether or not my tap water was going to start tasting of Castle Lager. If you're going to pour it all down the drains and feed it into the water system, I was living in hope um, that you would have to do that and have to destroy millions of litres of beer, but you didn't. Um, give me a perspective, please, as one of South Africa's most consumed products, just how you guys coped. Um, of course, our product is built on the premise of sociability. Um, so it was incredibly challenging, um, uh, particularly for our for our on-premise uh, retailers and traders, the restaurants, the hospitality industry, the, the sporting industry. Um, so an immensely challenging time for our business. Um, but beer always proves to be quite resilient. So as as we've uh, resumed trading, uh, we've seen uh, we've seen really good good volumes. Um, I think to Isana's point earlier, 
definitely some shifts in behavior. I think the increase of the at-home occasion is a, is a critical one for us to consider in, in how that, that plays out. Um, and also people making uh, decisions based on value. And uh, we, we are positioned in the value segment of the market. Uh, we have a broad portfolio, but uh, essentially we're, we're in the value segment, uh, which, which seems to be quite robust. I mean, are we going to see the consumption of beer change fundamentally? Or going on a trip in Europe and visiting Compania uh, Pirabushka and many other of the old SAB Miller um, sites and going to Pilsner or Quell and many others and, and getting a very clear sense that in Eastern Europe there was a very clear in-home market and that was you know, beer sold in two-liter PETs versus the on, uh, on-premise con- consumption um, where people would you know, hold the, the bottles like you guys always do with the labels facing out, showing everybody what it is that you're drinking, where you go and show off what your favorite brew is. Are we going to see a fundamental shift towards more of that kind of consumption? I do think in the short term, due to the financial pressures and the fear of, of going out and socializing, that you would you would definitely see people looking for, for really good value. Um, and there being less opportunities to badge, like you said, uh, with, with those labels. But will we see fundamental shifts in, in behavior? Um, I, don't, I don't believe so. We've seen uh, the benefit of being part of a, a global organization is that we can learn from other markets who are slightly ahead of us in their battle against the pandemic. And, um, and, and I don't believe there will be fundamental shifts in, in categories. Um, you would, however, see you know, shifts to value. There's definitely a value-seeking behavior. Uh, and talk to me then about restrictions on the sale of alcohol, of the transportation of alcohol. At one point where Becky Clele is stopping motorists on the side of the road and ripping cases of beer out of car boots and stuff, and your trucks would have been restricted in terms of their ability to deliver. Now we can do uh, purchases in bottle stores Monday to Friday, not allowed over the weekends, but on-premise uh, consumption is allowed. Uh, just give me a sense of how the market dynamics are affecting you right now. Yes, I think that fundamentally there's going to be an increased responsibility between the private sector and the public sector. Um, that is something that we, um, that we really strive for and aim for to work with, with government. And I also find that there's a heightened need for true corporate sociability, not just with our corporate brand, but also with our, with our consumer brands, um, they, so that they can play a meaningful and impactful role in, in society. And I think those are two of, our, two of my bigger insights. Mm. Um, Sandra, talk to me, please, about data, because you were making a very important point earlier about data and how data analytics is increasingly important in this world. And then I'll get to you, Anthony. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. I'm sorry. I don't know. You know, we're relying on technology a lot these days, and then it fails us on the most crucial points. <laughs> yes. So what I was trying to say... <laughs> What I was trying to say is that we are starting to rely a lot more on the data because of the the uncertainty we find ourselves in. Consumers have been restricted by laws, not enabling them to shop as they usually shop. They've been exposed to men. They've exposed to going to malls less. And um, definitely we see the basket sizes but less, um, less to the mall. People are not going as much as they used to. And when we get a year on year, it still looks like people got money. Remember that people didn't spend on travel as they used to. They didn't go out entertaining themselves. 
so it it begs the question: Does people just have, still have a little cash in this in their pockets, and how long runs out? Okay, Sandra, still struggling with that connectivity, I'm afraid. When we we look at the trends that we certainly see in the grocery market, and talking to the CEOs of, of Shoprite and the pick and pay and the Woolworths, um, the basket sizes increased, the visitor the visits decreased, and people were very selective in the way they went and bought their groceries. Did that play out also in the world of clothing retail? Yeah, very much, Bruce. I think, you know, the reality is that uh, e-commerce trend had actually left the station quite a long time before uh, COVID hit us. I just think most people in South Africa haven't really seen it. Um, the percentages were relatively small as a total contribution. Um, but again, picking on Vaughan's point, when you expose to global trends as we are through our offshore businesses in Australia and the UK, you could kind of see which way it was going in any event. Um, when COVID hit, you'll remember the first month we couldn't even uh, fulfill from an e-commerce perspective. It was amazing. People were still ordering and quite happy to wait for who knows how long, four, six, eight weeks at the time. Nobody knew when you could actually start shipping. Um, we went from, to kind of give a, a sense of scale in South Africa, at the beginning of our last financial year, e-commerce was 1% of our turnover. By uh, the end of the year, it had grown 100%, so we got to 2%. Um, we're currently running between 5 and 6%, and our Australian business pretty much doubled um, over the lockdown period as well. We saw actually both basket sizes increase, but also the number of visits increased dramatically, and I guess that's a reflection of people sitting at home, um, generally not going out as much as they used to, and spending more time, I guess, uh, shopping online. So uh, a fundamental shift um, was happening anyway. It's been accelerated, you know, based on our own internal timeframes, but these three years, um, and I think, you know, online shopping is a learned thing. Once you've realized you can use your credit card details, um, it's generally pretty safe. You generally get your goods within a day or two, and you can return them if you don't like what you get. It's very hard to unlearn that. So I think it's um, it's just moved us forward a number of years. Now, when you said you forward three years, Satya Nadella, the chief executive of Microsoft, was saying that they saw two years of digital innovation in two months. Um, and, and I think that's been the global phenomenon, that global learning that we have seen uh, play out as well. When it comes to e-commerce and as a percentage of sales, you go, it goes from 1% to 2%. You go, well, that's not very much. But that's a 100% increase for you. I mean, suddenly you've got to cope with this huge new demand. It may not seem very much from the outside, but paint a picture for me, please, as to what it takes to scale up that quickly from an internal perspective. Oh, yeah, Bruce, um, very true. I mean, as a percent of sales, as you say, looks small, but um, we've actually now are running at close to 5 7% uh, online sales and growing. Uh, internally, obviously, TFG was very well placed um, to take advantage of this growth because I think for the past three, four years, we've invested significantly uh, on our online platforms, my TFG world, and apps and, and um, uh, internet shopping for all our brands. So uh, actually, and our logistics as well, over the years, we had perfected them. So it was a very welcome opportunity um, to have this sale uh, increase uh, so significantly. And when it's done, actually, we for a year or two, we ran online um, um, at a loss. And, with the, and we just needed the volume, and this volume has obviously helped my bottom line, and certainly um, we're definitely breaking even for most brands, and even more profitable uh, for some brands for sure. So it's been quite a welcome. Do you, and TFG, do you see it for it as 
a, a seminal moment, as, as a moment that we don't go back from, that, as Anthony was just saying a moment ago, people get a taste. It's a bit like that first sip of Carthol Lager. Once you've had the first sip, you've got to finish the rest. Um, online shopping, I think, will probably... Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. And obviously, remember, we are dealing, we see it with actually the brands that um, um, support the, the younger and uh, generations. Uh, online sales have just shot up to 300% for those brands. And I don't see it going back in any way. Actually, see it escalating you know, uh, continually. And as we continue investing definitely uh, on online for sure. Evan Walker, from your perspective, what has happened in the consumer goods sector across the uh, across the, the retail sector in South Africa, and how have we held up worldwide over over the last six to eight months or so in this really weird time that we're all living through? Bruce, it's been a it's been a, it's been a number of different issues here. I mean, obviously, we know uh, anecdotally, and also know through the reported numbers that the food retailers have done exceptionally well. I mean, everyone's rushing to Willie's Food and even shop right food, et cetera, to, to procure what they would have been elsewhere eating out. And uh, so there has been a change in consumption patterns. Um, I think those will begin to normalize. I mean, in the Western Cape, we're seeing it normalizing quite fast. So I think countrywide, it will begin to normalize. But certainly we've seen, you know, a big move to additional home consumption, uh, which has obviously propelled these food retailers into into good levels of growth. Uh, and and the, the fundamental shifts that we're seeing, part of the discussion, but just this huge Line. How big a change is this in South Africa's retail landscape? Bruce, I think it's a very big change. I mean, it's a change for every single participant in these categories. I mean, obviously, for all the retailers, it's a big change. Um, I mean, it's a big change of thinking from a consumer point of view, but certainly from a retail perspective. I mean, it requires a lot from the retailer and, and the consumer is changing dramatically. I mean, globally, I mean, currently, there's two schools of thought. I mean, the one school of thought says that with inflation, uh, sorry, with interest rates so low, we're going to start seeing inflation climb, and this is going to be good for retailers generally across the globe. And the other school of sorts says, well, we're going more and more online. People are going to be pricing way more aggressively, and this is going to be very deflationary and cause uh, quite a big hiccup to consumer growth or to retailer gross margins going forward. So there's two big schools of thought out there. I mean, we, sat with the, we sit with the latter one. I mean, we think this whole online process People going more and more online is going to drive prices down. We think it's going to be a deflationary uh, for retailers generally over the next three to five years. And obviously what we've seen in COVID now uh, being reported from most of the wholesale industries around the world, funny enough, is an acceleration to where they thought they would be from an online perspective, two, three, four. In some cases, some companies say they, were, they thought they'd only be in this position five years from now. So it's a dramatic shift, Bruce. I see, Bongiwa, you're nodding. Um, is this the sort of stuff that makes your blood run cold? Does this scare you, a deflationary environment in, in retail? It's, it's, it's really quite something quite scary to navigate. Look, it, it is, Bruce, but um, again, we've seen the macros uh, over the years and TFG continually has produced um, uh, deflationary um, 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 uh, sales uh, year on year and uh, we continue on that drive as we saw the consumer was under pressure price points and had to come down and through a lot of um, 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 initiatives internally through our local manufacturing a base uh, sourcing locally working with uh, local suppliers uh, to deliver a uh, 
a product in store on time, quick response, a large proportion of our merchandise is on a quick response basis. So that has allowed us to maintain gross margins. If you see our gross margins over the past two, three years, uh, they've just remained quite stable uh, in, in some brands actually even growing because of all the initiatives uh, we've done um, uh, internally on the, on, on the supply chain side, especially. Expert advice and data-driven insights that unlock your business's potential. APSA Insights, brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking. For more, visit absainsights.co.za.